Hi, this is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts, asking for your help during this Lenten and Easter season. Support from our listeners is vital and allows us to bring you and many others high-quality spiritual programs like the one you are listening to now. It also assists us in our outreach to areas around the globe, touching literally millions of souls via the World Wide Web. Our highly rated free Discerning Hearts app allows you to access over a thousand audio files as well as video content now available on our expanding YouTube channel. We've been able to offer online spiritual seminar retreats with Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John Essef, and Deacon James Keating. The heart of our mission is to help foster authentic spiritual formation for the seeking soul so they can fully encounter the living Christ and share in his mission of healing hearts and spreading the good news to the world. Please, won't you help us to continue this important work of evangelization by donating today to DiscerningHearts.com. DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. Pope Francis, in his encyclical letter, Lumen Fidei, The Light of Faith, said that face past, the act of Jesus' love which brought new life to the world, comes down to us through the memory of others, witnesses, and is kept alive in that one remembering subject, which is the Church. The Church is a mother who teaches us to speak the language of faith. In that spirit, this series of conversations with Archbishop Lucas brings the many aspects of the Catholic faith and why it matters, not only to the individual, but also to families, communities, and the world at large. Why it matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Archbishop Lucas. Thank you, Chris. It's good to be with you. This time of Easter, it speaks of spring, new life, and so much more, doesn't it? Uh, it does. It's a very joyful feast and, and opens up a joyful season for us in, uh, in the church. We have great reason to rejoice because uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Savior, who has been crucified for us, uh, is now alive, risen from the dead. This is the right at the heart of our of our faith, of our Christian faith. The Saint Paul says, "If Jesus isn't uh, risen, then our faith is in vain." Everything really depends on this. Jesus shows us him that he shows himself to us as the risen Son of God, and in a sense, this is the proof for everything that his teaching has revealed to us up until now, including that he is the Son of God. The resurrection, witnessed by many, many people after it occurred, helps us see, as we know, only God would have the power over death, and and Jesus, as the Son of God, has overcome what seems, in worldly terms, to be the ultimate end, the ultimate obstacle, but but now no longer. We've talked in previous conversations about the kerygma, and here it is. This really Mm -hmm. speaks of that encounter but then with a reality that seems for those, as we hear in the gospel, it's almost incomprehensible. Well, yes. I mean, Jesus was doing his best to prepare his disciples for his crucifixion and and resurrection, but they really didn't have adequate categories in their mind, in their imagination for, for someone rising from the dead. We can imagine the heartbreak 
of the disciples of Jesus who witnessed the crucifixion. Doubly heartbreaking for those who either denied him or ran away at that time. So to have the the loss of Jesus and, in a sense, the loss of their own integrity or faithfulness to him within a short amount of time, really, within several days, to have the news that the Lord is risen, to have the, first the evidence of the empty tomb, and then before long, the opportunity to encounter the risen Jesus in person themselves, and to have that encounter often enough and in an, with enough uh, clarity that they were convinced that they weren't imagining that it's true Jesus is alive. It's not uncommon for us, isn't it, in some ways, to experience maybe what the the two disciples on the road to Emmaus experienced, where they thought they understood, but then it didn't turn out the way they, they anticipated, and so they were very confused, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Right, caught up in their own confusion and sadness, I think, and uh, bewilderment, because they had begun to hear the news of, of the the empty tomb, the fact that some were saying that, that Jesus was alive. But there he was right there with them. They were so taken up with their own thoughts about things that, that they almost missed the opportunity. So they recognized him right at the end, which is what he, the Lord wanted. And then they had that gift of, of recognizing him, and he vanished uh, from from their sight. The, they're great reminders to us of what is available to us in, in the church in our Catholic faith, and at the same time, how easy it is for us to miss the central fact of the the risen Jesus and and his presence in the church. The Lord has established the church so that those of us now living so many generations later, uh, so many years after, after his death and resurrection, can have the opportunity to encounter him, really, as those two disciples did on the road. It's not always so obvious to us that that Jesus is so close, so available to us personally, especially though together uh, in, in our life, in the, in the community of, of the church. But this is exactly what, what is offered to us and, and what is our, our opportunity. You know, someone should ask, why do you like being Catholic? I think my answer would be, I get to meet Jesus. I, I don't just hear about him from others. I do receive that witness, of course. And we don't just remember him from a long time ago, although we do remember the unique events of his death and resurrection uh, particularly. At the same time, though, beyond anything that I could deserve or, or even imagine, in a sense, I don't have categories for this either, uh, the Lord uh, reveals himself very personally to you and, and to me through the power of the Holy Spirit, now right here where we are. I always thought it was so tender of Jesus to meet them in their confusion. I mean, that he becomes present, and that happens for us. And like them, sometimes we don't see him. Uh, in that moment. Mm-hmm. But but he's here. And, and I think that's it's a reminder to us that we don't have to get it all straightened out in our head or even in our hearts before we can experience an, an encounter with Jesus. He's really offering that to each of us right where we are. We can become distracted, perhaps, or we can become discouraged and think we're not worthy of that, or, or perhaps we think we have to take so many steps to get to a certain point in terms of understanding or holiness before an encounter with the Lord is possible. And none of those things are required of us. Uh, or, and certainly it's not impossible for Jesus. He's not The things that discourage us or confuse us, he's not confused. He has promised to be with us in the church to, to the end of time. 
with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us individually and in us as, as the community of the church. The power is there, the relationship is there with the Holy Spirit that gives us this privileged encounter with the Lord. Their response to after they've experienced him and recognized him in the breaking of the bread is to run back, run back and witness. And that for for so many who have had that encounter with Christ, that seems to be an innate desire, doesn't it? I mean, we want to do that. Yeah, I wonder if it is often enough. I, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I mm-hmm. think well, if 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 we if we do re- realize. Um, so I'm just speak for myself. You know, when I realize that I have had an, an encounter, a revelation, you might say, of the of the presence of the of the risen Jesus, I just overflow with joy, with gratitude, and with a desire to share what I have experienced with with someone else. That sharing is is a kind of an invitation to the other person to think that they might be able to to experience that as well. What stops us? What what gets in that way? I mean, we we experience a great love, or whatever that might be, that emotion, that feeling. But what prevents us? Yeah, that's a great question. As a pastor, I wish I knew the answer to that. Uh, simply, anyway, to so we could sort of flip the pastoral switch, you know, and 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 make it more make it more um, obvious, more accessible, you know, that that the. Uh, the, the encounter with, with the risen Jesus places a demand on me to proclaim what I have experienced to, to be true. I, I think in some ways that's sort of where we're stuck right now. In our archdiocese, it's happening all over the country. Really, we're trying to understand how to reorient the life of our local churches, of our parishes particularly, so that not only do we receive the gospel, but we proclaim it. And to see that proclaiming the gospel is constitutive of of really being a disciple, along with knowing the Lord. So we have to know him first. We have to have that encounter. Maybe it's the case that in in a lot of situations in our parishes, structure or facilitate the encounter uh, with the Lord. So that's the first step that has to happen. I'm not going to proclaim something that I haven't, that that isn't even in part of my life. So that's our first goal, um, to help help ourselves, help our people, have the encounter with the Lord that we know he desires to have with them that really is the, the reason for our being in, in the church so we can encounter the Lord. Then as we do that individually, but same time in the community, I think that we develop the desire, have the encouragement to, to share that with others. That's kind of an interesting experience when it comes to the Easter liturgies. Our churches throughout the Omaha Archdiocese, throughout the whole heartland, I could maybe, can we say hopefully throughout the whole country, are packed. You have to have extra masses, extra services. They're overflowing. Family members who maybe we wish had been attending mass with us throughout the year will attend with us on Easter Sunday. It's, it's quite a phenomenon, isn't it? It is. It's beautiful to see. It leaves us scratching our heads a little bit, but but at the same time, something is, is drawing people, and so we're, we should always express how happy we are to see them. I, I think it's that's not hard to do. Uh, we are happy, happy to see them. It's a an invitation and an extra responsibility for preachers on the, the feast to really get to the heart of the matter and to make sure that nobody leaves without having heard the Easter proclamation that Jesus, the Son of God, has been crucified for us and now is alive, risen from the dead, and that he wants to be in your life. 
and that he wants to be in your life for good, that he has something good in mind to, to give you that is unique and that can't be begged, bought, stolen, uh, gotten in any other way. We can't explain the whole mystery of salvation on, on that day, and we shouldn't, I think, you know, settle for some kind of lighthearted or frivolous welcoming of everybody. We should do that first, of course, but but I, I just hold myself responsible, you know, for making the, this central proclamation of, of the faith. It's most appropriate to proclaim it on Easter. We can proclaim it always, of course, that, that Jesus is Lord, that he's alive, risen from the dead. And to remind ourselves, to remind the, the congregation, that either Jesus is alive or he doesn't make any difference. And if he's, if he's not alive, if he's not risen from the dead, we don't have to pay any attention to him. So all these people are here, uh, uh, gathered on Easter, desiring something, uh, having some knowledge of Jesus, many a relationship with him, so you can't gauge all that and don't mean to judge it at all. But I think let's presume that people think Jesus is somebody <laughs> or other and, and that um, something about him has, has drawn them. So then I think we need to make it clear. We can put our faith in the resurrection of Jesus, or we shouldn't put our faith in anything that the Catholic Church is offering. We'll return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas in just a moment. The Gloria Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, We adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer, You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts.
We now return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. Recently, I just even heard it on a a news talk panel where someone said it's sad that belief and faith was actually dwindling. And one of the panelists said, oh, don't say that because spirituality is actually rising. People are considering themselves very spiritual and that that should be recognized as almost, they didn't say it, but it was almost, they wanted to say a religion in itself. Here we are in the Catholic Church. I can't imagine anything that touches at the heart of spirituality than our experiences of the sacraments. Right. And I think, you know, we don't want to poo-poo the idea that people are spiritual because we are. God's made us that way. That's kind of great good thing for us to know as we, as we try to evangelize that we're made for a relationship with God. God already has one with us. Uh, we're being created at this moment, so we're being loved by God right now, whether we're aware of it uh, or, or not, but that's, that is in us. So we can um, uh, speak the, the love of God to people with, with confidence that for, for most people it will take. There's, there's some place there that, that, it, that it can um, can take root. But rallying around the truth of, of the resurrection of Jesus is just not any religion or any religious experience or any spirituality. There's spirituality to it, of course. But this is a, a, a proclamation of, of a truth which has moved people throughout the ages since, since the resurrection of Jesus. Not everybody, not everybody who's been moved by it has changed because of it or, or stuck with it. But this is the, the faith that's given to us. This is the faith by which we're saved, and this is the faith we want to proclaim and, and live. There's more to it as we discern what does it mean to live as a disciple of Jesus, as somebody who believes in him as the Son of God, and we'll get to all that. But the the first thing is, is to proclaim that truth and really challenge one another to think, well, what could that mean for me and for all of us together? And what, so what does it tell us about us, but also what does it tell us about God and about God's care for us? A few weeks ago you met... Hundreds of people, they came up to shake your hand before they began the process of really going through a type of scrutiny that we actually call them the scrutiny. Yes, yeah, at the right of election. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, beautiful experience. And those folks, overwhelming majority, come in through Easter at the Easter vigil. What would you say to them today? Uh, welcome. Uh, hallelujah. It's, um, it's just, it was a joy for me to be able to greet them at the at the right of election, but it's it's a Ten times more joyful to think of them now alive in Christ through the sacraments celebrated at, at Easter. I know how much the, the sacraments mean to me and, and how much my life in Christ means to me. God knows I'm not as good at it as I, as I should be. I'm not as, as generous responding to the Lord as, as he is always to me. But I have I think a very clear appreciation, especially by, by this age, how much would be missing in, in my life and, and really the thought of where I might be without without being offered life in Christ and being able to, uh, to accept that. That doesn't make me better than anybody else, but it makes me a lot better than I would be if I, if I hadn't accepted this, this gift. So I'm so happy that, that so many others in our parishes across the Archdiocese have, have been offered this gift and, and have accepted it. I think of all the gifts that they bring uh, to, to life in our parishes and in their families, in the community, the power of the Holy Spirit working in them, stirring in them. It's a great surge of, of spiritual energy in our local church, throughout our parishes. I think just an example of what the Lord had in mind in establishing the church so that more and more people would be able to encounter him 
right where they live and the time in, in which they're living, accept life in him, embrace him as, as the Savior, and uh, begin to follow him more, more faithfully. What would you say is the responsibility of the parish to those who have been brought into the church now? Because for some, they may feel that, well, okay, they're Catholic now, and good luck. Uh, we have to be careful about that, don't right, we? The, thanks for bringing that up. The responsibility is huge. And I, you know, we, we've been doing the RCIA, now the OCIA, uh, long enough now. It, it, the church has been very successful, you could say, in terms of the number of people who have gone through the, often a very beautiful process of conversion or continuing conversion in, in the parish community and encountered faith-filled parishioners along the way, been They've stood up in front of the of the congregation on Sunday for scrutinies and and, and for other things. So that that that's just, that's been a, in many cases as they describe it a beautiful ex- experience uh, uh, for them. But so that they're taking a step and taking on important responsibilities as they accept the uh, uh, the life of faith. There's also a serious responsibility on the part of the parish community, which I'm afraid we don't often take seriously enough in, in practical ways. Um, you, you know, we, we certainly there's a warmth to welcoming the, the, these folks who, who are now new in, in the community. But they've just take, taken an important step on their journey of faith, and they need somebody to help them see the next step and the step after that uh, in terms of uh, what the Lord is asking of them, but also what he is offering them. And really, we should, that, that should be the mindset we all have, which we're hoping we can perhaps instill in our parish communities more in the coming years. We talk about a clear path of discipleship. That's the idea that, that we're all on, on a journey that follows along step by step and, and that we don't achieve something or that we're not just in the door and then we're in. Rather, we, we hear the invitation of the Lord. We should be encouraging it ourselves in the parish to, to take the next step and the, and the next one. You know, if, if someone marries into a family or if the new child is born into a family, or somebody moves into the neighborhood, they're normally an opportunity to welcome that person and walk with them, help them see that they're really part of things, that there's something that they bring, also something we want to share with them. And, and that should be the experience of new members of, of our church. And studies over time, the past several decades, have just shown us that, sadly, it, it's not true often. Um, that the, the folks are in, and then they're often left to them, you know, to, to their own devices. And some some do very well, and and some, um, the, the, you know, the fire starts to go out because because no one is helping them stoke the flame. Well, there's really something that we have to really embrace is that now that they're a part, they brought it into the full communion with the church that power that comes not only from the Eucharist, but just our liturgical celebration, it has an effect on a soul. And sometimes we just need someone to help us to understand. And so that relationship dynamic has to, that continuing to listen and to journey and help them to grow in it, it's paramount, isn't it? Yes, it is. I agree. And and also to see how our parish can grow now with them as as part of it. Uh, sometimes at the right of election, as people are introduced to me, I'll ask them what parish they're, they're from. And uh, then I'll tell them, well, you know, that parish is going to be a lot better with you in it. And, and I believe that's true. It's kind of a flippant remark, maybe, but it really isn't true. Again, sadly, I mean this to sound harsh, but it, it, too often in our parishes, we're just kind of satisfied with the way things are. And we don't 
recognize that the Lord may be sending us someone or someone, some group of people in a family, maybe a group of individuals who are coming with gifts that, that are, are really going to help us be better, uh, have a deeper experience of our Catholic faith, challenge us. I mean, it could, it could be better in, in any number of ways, but often we're not looking for better. We're just kind of okay where we are, and that's the result of that is that we're not, as a community of believers, as a, as a Catholic community, having, uh, having the effect for good that we could have on, on the larger community and, and even on one another. So this time of the year, this season of, of Easter, remember this radical thing that has happened, that God has sent his son to die on the cross for, for you and me, not because we're deserving, because we're dead in sin, and God's plan isn't for us to be dead. Can we imagine something more powerful, more beautiful, more humbling? Uh, use, use any word you want. And yet, that's not the end of the story. As beautiful as that is, that death cannot contain the life, the power of God. Jesus is, is risen from the dead, a unique event in all of human history. As we meditate on that and, and pray, about this beautiful feast that we celebrate. And we have a, weeks throughout this season to, to do it. It doesn't have to all be done on one day. I hope this year that we're each moved to think, what could this possibly really mean for me? More than I've experienced so far. And we shouldn't be afraid to look at that because what it means is, very, is good. It's life-giving. It's liable to be challenging. And it's liable to involve an experience of the cross, which Jesus himself embraced, some self-denial, turning away from sin or from things that don't save me, so that this new life in the risen Christ, so that there's room for it in my life so that I can be able to, uh, to receive it. Well, you brought up a really great point here because there are so many of us who have entered into Lenten experiences to help us to be able to grow, to be able to uh, let go of some of the things that we're holding too tightly on, whether it be a sin or some type of activity, some type of thing that is preventing us to be close to, to Christ and to grow in our faith. And yet sometimes, Archbishop, and I know I speak from my own experience, Easter comes, and all of a sudden all those practices, they're gone, and maybe, just maybe, I begin to really backslide. Did I actually experience what I experienced before. What kind of advice as a pastor of all of us here, what would you give to us? Yeah, I, I have the same experience. You know, I'm not m- much better as a person at the end of Lent than I was at the beginning, if, I, if at all. Um, but the, the Lenten experience is, is helpful. It's essential for all of us. But we should rejoice at, at Easter, and we should celebrate with food and drink and friends, with, certainly with prayer and with the, the beauty of the liturgy. We can also, I think, come to a deeper realization that we're involved in God's project. This isn't our project of, of, of self-improvement. We want to improve. We want to grow into the women and men we're, we're created to be. We want to be more fit for the kingdom of God, better spouses, friends, parents, children, whatever, all, all of that. We should desire that. That's all good. But our Lenten practices have, have really been designed to... Uh, open ourselves and, as you said, kind of let go of or rid ourselves of some of the things that are cluttering up our lives, things that don't save us, so that the, the one who does save us can be more the focus of our attention and, and really the focus of our desire. 
that we see him as the fulfillment, really, of, of the best desires of, of our hearts. I think, you know, I hope we've, that everybody's had a, a good experience during Lent. Like most experiences, probably mixed. You know, we set out with resolutions and maybe keep them and maybe don't. But as we said at the beginning of, of Lent, you know, if we, if we slip up or just or give in on something that we had resolved to do, we can just pick up and start again. You know, it doesn't mean, well, okay, that's, now that's over. We can't, then we just give up. So that, but we learn more about ourselves, I think, about how, how weak our wills are, sometimes how weak our, you know, even desire to do good. And that, it's important to know that for no other reason that it helps us turn to the Lord and, and say, you can see I'm kind of hopeless. Can, <laughs> can you help me? Can Forgive me, save me, which is his deepest desire to do that for us. We have to be in it, though. You know, we, have to be, we have to cooperate with it willingly. Well, and to close this part of our conversations, particularly on Easter, what are, would be your final thoughts, what you know, final encouragement? your listeners i would encourage us all to just spend some time in prayer with the the truth of of the lord's death and, and resurrection that, uh, that we have celebrated again perhaps open the one of the gospels and read that try to put yourself in the place of the disciples who were wrestling with this beautiful truth for the for the first time and and coming to grips with uh, with with the power of jesus who they already knew and with whom they had already shared friendship, but now we're uh, experiencing him in a in a new and and more beautiful, more powerful way. That's an invitation for for all of us. Uh, the The Lord wants us to experience him in in his risen life. Uh, to, again, not just to imagine it, but but to have the confidence and the experience of, of him here with us. So we ask the Holy Spirit to make that possible for us. Thank you so much, Archbishop Lucas. Thank you. Happy Easter to everyone. Hallelujah. You've been listening to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Why It Matters an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas.